Thought Football Club podcast featuring two friends. I'm Travis, joined as always by my co-host Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Hello. Welcome back. Are you grinning ear to ear? I am. <laughs> that is fitting, and I'm glad that you are. I, too, am grinning at all of the evils of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Listener, you have found a book recommendation episode, which is a unique kind of episode here on the podcast. If you've never found us before, if this is your first time, you are, first of all, in the perfect place because book recommendations are persuasive episodes where we try and convince you to read something with us over the course of the next two weeks. If, as I mentioned, you're unfamiliar with what we're doing here, we are the Lightly Literary Podcast, a book club podcast that posts books analyses and book clubs every every week basically we have social media accounts you can follow if you're curious what we're reading and what we're up to we're at facebook and instagram at the lightly literary podcast which is all one word so check us out there we do appreciate those follows and if you're on any podcast platform of any kind uh rate and review us if possible that does help a ton and we do appreciate it um of course it's only if you find us worthwhile we'll see what we can do in the next 25 minutes or so Uh, Amanda, as I mentioned, this is a book recommendation episode, so our goal today is to persuade you, listener, to read a book with us, and we're going to try and do that in about 25 minutes or so. Today's book is a novel called Something Wicked This Way Comes. It is a novel by Ray Bradbury, which Amanda chose. We, at up to this point, this is the last time we're doing it, so I guess I'll explain it, um, because we're making some behind-the-scenes changes, but... I gave Amanda a prompt to pick the book uh, you know, based on the prompt, and the prompt was to pick a book that had some kind of magic in it, and that is a very loose and wide-open version, so it was kind of like anything that includes supernatural or magical things. Feel free to pick. Amanda, why did you pick this book? I wanted to pick something that wasn't um, high fantasy because yeah. uh, typically high fantasy requires a whole lot of well, page count uh, a lot of the time because yeah. of the, the lore that needs to go into it. So I was looking for something that had some either like perhaps magical realism in it or something that was just light fantasy. Um, but I wanted also something that was um, highly stylistic. Uh, mm-hmm. So I was doing some research and, and I saw um, something wicked this way comes and I was like oh my gosh I would love to read Bradbury because I read Fahrenheit 451 and I loved it and so um, I thought that it would be a great read because I, I mm-hmm. knew that he was known primarily for like sci-fi ish writing so I was interested yeah. to see what this would be like and it was a perfect pick it checks all of our podcasts book boxes which is it's relatively brief you know like under 300 pages it's incredibly potent at its mission. It's trying something incredibly hard and is interesting for those reasons. And I think we both think pretty good. But I don't want to spoil the recommendation. And yeah, yeah, it just has such a clear vision for itself, and it, it takes a yeah. yeah, it takes a very aggressive de- decision stylistically and it chases it down all the way so a perfect pick really for what we're doing i'm going to briefly read from the cover and then we'll get into our segments here this is how the cover describes it um it's got such a weird opening i don't want to read that (laughs) um it's it's almost like a part of the story uh let me read the ending few novels have endured in the heart and memory as is ray bradbury's unparalleled literary masterpiece something wicked this way comes scary and suspenseful it is a timeless classic in the american canon this new definitive edition yada yada it yeah it's essentially those words are let me read this description too two boys will discover the secret of the carnival's smoke mazes and mirrors two friends who will soon know all too 
too well the heavy cost of wishes and the stuff of nightmares. That's a good way to end it, I think. That's a good yeah. summary. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, very much about those things. So that's how the publisher describes it. Let's get into our own thoughts on this book. We're going to begin with our first segment for recommendations, which is the rapid-fire recommendations. We've each prepared some fill-in-the-blank prompts for who should read this book. We're going to fire them off to one another. I'll go first. Amanda, I think a listener should read this book. If you like words and when authors use them in creative ways. Hundred <laughs> percent, yes. Oh, and I do. And I loved every second. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Lots of great metaphors in here that uh, unique. Mm-hmm. Um I said you should read this book if you appreciate setting, especially when it informs mood. Yeah, it's dripping mood. That's the, mm-hmm. I feel like that's a cliche, but I don't care. I'm deploying it anyway. It's, yeah, this, <laughs> or oozing, I think, is the better cliche. It's oozing mood or oozing tone or whatever. So, yeah, uh, yeah it is. It is intense. I think you should read this book if you like to be a little bit spooked. Little. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly the mood, actually. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that's that's great. A, a bit spooked without being freaked out. It's not Stephen King, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you should read this book if you like some philosophy while feeling creeped out. You know, to the book's <laughs> credit or criticism, it does take some time to stop and ponder. And if that... Mm-hmm. That can bother some folks. I will say it's not brief, or it's it's not brief. It is brief. It's not overly long, and it yeah. has its moments of narrative contemplation. However, you want to word that, it you know comes through some characters. But yeah, it doesn't feel. It's not too pedantic or didactic. I'm not sure which of those two words I'd want, but anyway, I think you should read this book if you are afraid of carnivals or fairs or circuses. Hundred percent. Uh, yes, <laughs> and that's actually ties into my next one, which is, uh, you should read this if you've always felt like carnivals are just a little off. Oh, perfect. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> they are just a little off, aren't they? <laughs> it's just like, why is the paint always chipping? You know, where's yeah. the yeah, <laughs> where's the freshly painted carnival sign? Right? Where's the, where's it at its purest? <laughs> it's always. It's I guess always it's just, just always recycled. <laughs> yeah, it's always just a little run down. It's just always a little worse for wear. And I won't comment on that more because we're not here to spoil on the book recommendation episodes. I think you should read this book if you are comfortable with good versus evil storylines. That is exactly what the storyline is. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> I said uh, you should read this book if you like creative metaphors and similes, which we kind of touched on earlier. Well, yeah, it's a real creative writing course 101. Though, I mean, it's not a 101 level. It's Those don't get published. It's, it's a little uh, <laughs> it's a, pretty far beyond 101, but it... Uh, yeah, maybe master class would be the common expression because of that, you yeah. know, that app or whatever these days. But yes, it's... It is rather daring. Um, I think my final one, I think you should read this book if you have contemplated your own mortality. Oh, yeah, that ties in very nicely with the philosophy in this book. Um, I said for my final one, you should read this book if you think libraries and books are indispensable. God, it's so true. Shout outs to it. This is maybe a relic of the book's time or something. 
I have no clue what institution would take the place of it in this book, or if the, yeah. sorry, if this book were to be um, adapted or updated for a modern setting. I just have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the refuge of the library. What a sacred kind of glorious space, right? It's yeah, yes. crucial to the book or to, crucial to the story and in the book. So completely agree. Okay. Well, those are some brief previews of what we're going to talk about. Let's do something a little more in depth. Let's do the reading similes. This is when Amanda and I both compare uh, reading this book to something, something creative. Amanda, what is your reading simile for something wicked this way comes? Um, I just read your simile. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, we wrote like the same thing. No way. Um, <laughs> Mine is uh, reading this is like swimming in lake water. Okay. It's dark and possibly full of things that want to feed on you, <laughs> but uh-huh. the the swim is just so enjoyable anyway, despite the the creepiness of of being in that water. <laughs> Mine is okay. So I see that obviously my deflection tactic worked because now you've drawn me out of my cave to use another, that's a metaphor. Uh, Mine is waterboarding, (laughs) but I, okay. So let's a couple things then. I don't know why my brain thought of this. Um, The U S United States foreign policy approach through both its military arms and the CIA is pretty broadly reprehensible. And the war on terror was a farce that was poorly orchestrated and executed. And there's a humanitarian crisis within all that. So, okay. I said all those things, which I do believe, but I'm just trying to get to the point here, which is it's pretty crass to just lightly compare something to waterboarding, a real torture device that's used in the real world. Um, so, so here's how I'll describe this book instead. I think that reading this book is like, you are immediately sl- just submerged and slapped with water and it completely disorients and desensitizes you. And then you're pulled back and you're given a reprieve from that sensation. Let's say you're doing this voluntarily, maybe in a dark lake, as you mentioned, but before you know it, you're thinking, I just need a big hit of that water again. And I want to feel out of control. And so you, you go back under and you slap yourself with some more water and then, but then it's, you know, you, then you reemerge and you, it feels great. And you're, you know, you got your footing and let's just say you repeat that process over and over again. So <laughs> that's my, that's my simile. I was really going to try to avoid saying the term waterboarding as much as I could, but you drew me out. I couldn't, uh, our similes I think are a little different. <laughs> I was thinking of the, the sensory explosion followed by a total quiet you know like a total reprieve Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. any thoughts on u.s foreign policy and torture policy before (laughs) (laughs) i'll probably keep that in the episode i just felt like i was trying to think because it's so i don't know man it's an analogy it's creative you know i don't i don't want to evoke the wrong things from the real world that deserve condemnation you know falsely or casually or whatever but it's this book is intense. It's literary waterboarding, it people. I don't. Yeah, again, I I know I'm making too, <laughs> probably making too light of that reference, but it's just so in your face, intense with its mood and tone and goals. And then it does it in some archetypal ways and some character based ways. Like it really does then pause at times too. It really does yeah. give you moments of reprieve. But when he wants to write something and make you fear it or feel it or dread it 
he tries so much. <laughs> it's yeah, he puts it on the page. So he I does. don't know. Hopefully that isn't too crass a simile, but no, I think it's fine. Yeah. Anyway, um, should we? Do- we should probably donate to some kind of charitable org just for my, you know. Anyway, <laughs> we'll say any more about waterboarding on this episode. I assure you, listeners. Um, let's move on <laughs> to our scripted pitch. Wherein I will not have any references uh, aforementioned. <laughs> Let's talk about this. Uh, each time we do a book recommendation episode. Oh, any other thoughts on the simile? Sorry, I rambled there. Nope, I'm good. Okay, no, no more, uh, no more distractions, Travis. Let's move to the scripted pitch, as I mentioned, where we do a 200 or so word pitch. We have prepared this in advance, so this is pre-written, where we each put down some kind of coherent thoughts about the book, what's to like about it, and what we think is worth reading about it. Amanda, please save me for myself and read your scripted pitch. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Many American students have read Bradbury before, uh, probably Fahrenheit 451. There's a lot to like about that novel, plot, characterization, theme, so on. Not every middle or high schooler has an appreciation for that book, though. Not surprising, since it's very literary. If you hesitate in reading Bradbury because you remember having to analyze every symbol and every monologue of Fahrenheit 451, you don't have to fear something wicked this way comes. This novel does have symbolism. It does have motifs. It does even have some monologues. But it's just so approachable and beautifully written. Bradbury uses unique metaphors to create wonderfully evocative sentences that build interesting characters in a moody setting. One of the best aspects of this novel is how masterfully Bradbury is able to create a creepy, malicious atmosphere. It's deliciously eerie throughout the book. This complements the fast-paced action of this novel. Everything everything takes place in just a few days, and there's quite a bit our two protagonists encounter during that time. This is a thrilling read that borders horror and fantasy in a truly enjoyable, readable way. Yeah, it's... It is such a little snippet of life, right? You mentioned the pacing yeah. and this kind of scope and scale of the book. It, yeah, it's it is delightfully or deliciously eerie and a very clear snapshot and snippet. It does feel yeah. from beginning to end like, you know, I'm sure you edited it thoroughly, but it does feel like a very clear vision and such a concise realization of something, right? Of a yeah. intense little book. And yeah, it is, I wouldn't call it horrifying or anything, but it's eerie and creepy at times. It's meant to be, malicious is a great word you chose for the atmosphere. It's meant to be malicious and imposing and everything, but it's, I I do struggle with horror media, especially movies, TV, and I, you know, I wasn't putting this down. (laughs) It's, you're going to enjoy what he's doing as much as you're going to be concerned, right, about the happenings. So, very well said. Um, Cool. I'll throw my script to pitch out there. Let's see what the people think. Um, Okay. Finally, folks, we have arrived once again at a book that I think is capital L literary. There are, let's name them, allusions to Phoenicia and Rome. There are competing foil characters. There are symbols, both obvious and archetypal. There are, there's rampant archetypes in this book. (laughs) Uh, All that said, I think Bradbury's style is really dense and ambitious. I know you just called it readable, which is true in a sense, but I I think you could maybe lose some people. Some people find those things I just said off-putting. I bring all this up right away, though, not just to contrast Amanda's choice of words, but to say there's a decent chance that if you're listening to this, 
you maybe haven't read a book so self-indulgent in a while? (laughs) Maybe not since high school? Have you encountered something that's so doggedly determined in its project and like written so, I don't know, intensely? Um, I think this is also crucial to mention. I'm setting all this up just to say this book is not an ambitious social commentary or historical fiction. It's not... It's not a great literary project by a sophisticated artist of his time trying to reach a divine understanding. Like, it's a fast-paced thriller with two boys who are just trying to outrun and outwit evil forces that descend on the town. So I wanted to set all that, you know, the fanciness up right away just to then immediately say also it's just a rip-roaring, interesting fantasy story. I think he can be incredibly descriptive, but he's thoughtful about his pace, and that the story, when it needs to move rapidly, definitely does so. He has moments of self-indulgence, but again, I think he can move things along when he sees fit. That's my Mm -hmm. long kind of pitch. One final thought. This book has a bit of mystery. It's got a bit of horror. It's a bit of a thriller, and it's just a whole lot of sensitivity to the wild fun that experimenting with language can entail. With all that, he's crafted just one hell of a read. I really think it's worth paying the ride and paying for the ticket, like just getting on the ride. It's he just, yeah, really goes for it. So that's my pitch. And that he, he does. I think that's a, a great way to put it. He goes for it. He's, he does not hold back in his writing, which I, and perhaps this is just cause I've always enjoyed style that it it's really compelling in this book. And, and it reminds me of like when we were reading burnt shadows by yeah. uh, Camilla Shamsi and yeah. we were both just like floored by how beautifully she put things. It's the same way when I was reading this, I was just like, Oh, from the very beginning, I was like, Oh yes, I love this already. It's so great. <laughs> and just think of, I, I don't want to reiterate my pitch or whatever, go over talking points, but, but that book is about American imperialism, war, inherited trauma, generational violence. Like, I, this book has big ideas, to be sure. Yeah. But it's not doing something like that. It's not. I right. feel like when, you know, the maybe not the trouble, but certainly in school, you know, if you especially if you study literature to any level, it's sort of you start to conflate literature with. You know, it just has to be grandly socially ambitious or something. And this book has ambitions, but I don't think it's to comment on any immediately or urgently political topic in the real world or something. It's, yeah, it's something else. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's meant to be entertaining, but entertaining as well as stylistic. Yeah, Yeah. And I think he accomplishes that. Yep, and whatever forces are at play in this book, as one of the characters, him or herself, would say, it's uh, it, it predates our notions. <laughs> yep. So it's playing with something, but it's, yeah, something we don't have words for, maybe. Anyway, okay. Any other thoughts on the scripted pitches? Very well said. Nope, I'm good. All right, final segment then, listeners. If we haven't persuaded you to read this book by now, we will lob forth one more attempt we've got quotes for clarification (laughs) here we do since we've talked around the book so much by now we do want to give an actual quote from the book to give you a sense of its style and pacing and all that good stuff it's word choice etc amanda do you want to go first with your quote mine was an easy pick i just chose from the very first page Um, wise a wise decision (laughs) 
So I'll read actually just the first two paragraphs. They're pretty short anyway. The seller of lightning rods arrived just ahead of the storm. He came along the street of Greentown, Illinois, in the late cloudy October day, sneaking glances over his shoulder. Somewhere not so far back, vast lightning stomped the earth. Somewhere, a storm like a great beast with terrible teeth could not be denied. So, the salesman jangled and clanged his huge leather kit in which oversized puzzles of ironmongery lay unseen, but which his tongue conjured from door to door until he came at last to a lawn, which was cut all wrong. And mm. then it goes on. But um, I chose this because we start off with actually a, a very minor character, which I found interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought he would have been Mr. Dark. Not a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but the tone is the, the mood is immediately set up in this, right? We see vast, there's storms. He's sneaking glances. He compares the storm to a beast with terrible teeth that cannot be denied. There's clanging, jangling, um, his tongue conjured from door to door. There's like already a sense of, of fan- something fantastical going on, uh, spell binding almost. It's it's really interesting and all with just a very minor character. Like I know. I yeah. No dust witch, but I'll leave the readers yeah. or the listeners out there to figure out what that means. But yes, yeah. it's it's <laughs> excellent. It's such a potently symbolic uh, archetypal beginning. So, yeah, very well chosen. Okay. I pulled mine about the two, I don't know about two main characters. It's kind of three, to put it one or another way. Anyway, there's two main uh, kid characters at the center of the story, Will and Jim, as the description said before. So I pulled a quote about these, these kids from page 11. Like all boys, they never walked anywhere, just named a goal and lit for it, scissors and elbows. Nobody won. Nobody wanted to win. It was in their friendship. They just wanted to run forever, shadow and shadow. Their hands slapped library door handles together. Their chests broke track tapes together. Their tennis shoes beat parallel pony tracks over lawns, trimmed bushes, squirreled trees, no one losing, both winning, thus saving their friendship for other times of loss. So it was on this night that blew warm, then cool, as they let the wind take them downtown at 8 o'clock. They felt the wings on their fingers and elbows flying, then suddenly plunged in new sweeps of air. The clear autumn river flung them headlong where they must go. Interesting that they must go, Amanda. Interesting that it's hot and cold. Interesting that there are these opposites, you know, at play here. And very important <laughs> for for reading the characters. I think it's all very you know purposeful and measured. It also shows how just listen to this expression, right? They they never walked anywhere, named a goal, and they lit for it. Scissors and elbows. You know, a scissor is not a body part. Uh, but reading <laughs> yeah. the paragraph, you'd be forgiven not noticing that he worded it in such a tricky, but evocative image based way. Because he slips things like that in constantly. That's the whole book, Mm -hmm. is he slips in a word or a phrase that you don't notice as a metaphor, you don't notice as a touch of imagery, you don't notice it's a sensory thing. And he's just, just, I mean, I I said slip as if it's subtle. There are paragraphs when he's slamming them. (laughs) He's not not slipping anything. He's slamming them in. But I just thought that paragraph was a great illustration. It's Yeah, it shows some of the dynamics. It shows a little of the writing indulgence, shows kind of the quiet brilliance of some of it too. And, you know, it. I don't know if that's the most intense kind of section or hardest to read. We get into that on the podcast too. 
so there are you know there are some dense moments in the book too but on the whole i think it feels like that yeah i agree and and it's and it is constant movement whether it's the boys moving from one place to the next which is like i mean always but the the plot movement as well is so fast paced everything is just so fast here yeah definitely uh, which is yeah i think that points it out too i will say well any final thoughts on the quotes cuz i do have a final thought i'll end on no go ahead i and maybe this is recency bias. I'd have to go back over the shelf and look at our, our history of podcast books. There are two books that I have done this on recently. So maybe we're just picking really well or, you know, had a hot stretch of things I've responded to. Anyway, this book in True Grit, I think I've stopped somewhat early in the book and have just almost said just out loud, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, it's happening. Like, whatever is happening in this book is really happening. And the yeah. author has... Uh, such a crystalline vision for what needs to occur and the way they need to make it occur <laughs> that I don't know. I reacted very positively to this book. And, and the funny thing is we criticize it pretty heavily too in the back half and that's fine. You yeah. know, I think our podcast strikes the right tone in that regard. I'm happy with what we do in that sense. It's, you don't have to unequivocally love something to then also love it. <laughs> so, yeah, or com- exactly. I should say unequivocally compliment something. Anyway, so yeah, True Grit, I had a similar reaction to of just sort of you'd step away early on to admire it and just be like, whoa, if this continues like this, then what have I stumbled upon? It's, yeah, just such a gem we discovered here that you picked. Yeah, yeah. I, and, I hadn't made the connection to how we responded to True Grit, but yeah, True Grit also was very early on. The style was set very early. The the characterization, just like in this book, the characterization really well done from from the onset. And you're just like, man, this this author knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and he's going for it. And it's so enjoyable from the yeah, beginning. Yeah, talk about hilarious company, right? Because for the books we've done together the pantheon of that feeling uh they can join tony morrison on the hill <laughs> it's <laughs> it's those two and tony morrison and then every book we've done i've really liked but those are the ones that have you know ripped something out of me when i yeah. have read them in the early stages so it's yeah it's it's quite something here any final thoughts um or strange metaphors like i use that you would like to (laughs) (laughs) no i'm good okay excellent yeah quite a quite a recommendation folks i don't know what else to say to persuade you to read and it's a bit of genre you know we covered that well too amanda chose it for that reason we covered the fantastical but hopefully you can you can enjoy all that and anyway join us for the ride it's going to be quite enjoyable um any final thoughts amanda before we talk about future books um, our first episode will cover chapters 1 through 28. Excellent. Perfectly book. said. Again, 1 through 20. And Amanda, thank you a million for always doing the diligence, remembering that. We'll cover the first half. <laughs> so that'll be our part one book club. We also have other books, as I alluded to, coming up. Let's talk about them in order. We always have at least three picks ahead. Amanda, could you introduce the reads we have coming up after Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury? Yeah. We've got Ghetto Side by Jill Lavoie next. Then We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. And then we have The Inkle, or Inkal, by Hodorowski and Mobius. And Hodorowski yeah. starts with a J. Yes, Inkal. The, we got nonfiction, Ghetto Side. 
we're back to young adult already with Nina LaCour. I'm intrigued. The previous yeah. young adult we did, which is they both die at the end, left me feeling neutral and slightly positive. Okay, I'm, I'm like open-minded, you know? I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to cruise through something again. And then, yeah, graphic novel return. That's exciting, too, because <laughs> I don't know, though. We also chose a stone-cold masterpiece for our first graphic novel, so that's tough. I know. <laughs> I think Ooh, the in-call will be so at least very different, so I'm excited about that. Should be. Okay. Should be exciting. Any yeah, final I'm thoughts? Excited. Yeah, nope. yeah. We'll get back to the get back to those printed pages with the uh, with the colors and the pictures. <laughs> um, okay. Any final thoughts before we close out today? Uh, nope. I'm good. It's hard to say goodbye to this book, Amanda, but we have to do it. It's time to move on. <laughs> no, so I'm cutting good. the cord. So good. <laughs> yeah, it's excellent. Okay, we thank you as always, listeners, for listening through the whole recommendation. We again hope you join us. As I mentioned at the beginning, we have Facebook and Instagram accounts at the Lightly Literary Podcast, all one word, and we're on basically every podcast platform. So leave a rating and recommendation, please, and thank you. That does help. And most importantly, we'll see you between the pages. 